Why is it called Can't Sell This? The initial concept of the podcast was about sort of about failing, but not really. It was really about how we could evolve ideas. So each episode in the initial episodes was about one of us pitching the other an idea we'd had and then saying, how could we make that better? How could we make that work? Um, and, and, you know, and, and that actually is what happened. And so started to reach out to people that we knew had succeeded at something Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get advice and to provide insight and, and, and to, you know, maybe get an understanding of the path involved. So, uh, you know, I was really interested in talking to you and actually, so we have been recording (laughs) during this whole thing. Um, but, but, um, normally it's because I don't, I don't ever really explain what the podcast is and, 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 uh, it doesn't really matter, (laughs) but, Mm -hmm. but, uh, let's talk about you let's 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 launch in so if if i could i'll get you to introduce yourself okay you're listening to the can't sell this podcast with your hosts hugh elliott and stefan grambart do you want me to right okay my name's uh brendan Dawes. i uh i've known no i've known you you for uh, many, <laughs> many years, um, we met at FITC back in the Flash conference days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, these days, you know, I work as an artist, um, making various things, uh, mostly digital stuff, but occasionally um, physical installations, that kind of stuff, uh, for various brands around the world who luckily want me to make stuff for them which is good mm-hmm. and i make my own stuff so yeah it's uh and obviously i started in the flash days and then just carried on from there really <laughs> well i'll tell you one of the reasons that that i thought it would be great to, to have you on is i was cleaning up my office my space and yeah. found the papa yeah uh at which you were one of the very first people I'd known to create a little piece of hardware to attach to an iPhone yeah. uh, using essentially like a small USB exploit, you know, to yeah. be able to take a picture, the little red button. Yeah, I'll yeah. actually, I'll, I'll link to, I'll either link to it yeah. or I'll, I'll take a photo of it and, and put it yeah. up on the show notes. Yeah. Um, and I wondered if, if, could you talk about the process behind that little discovery that led to you starting to kind of build things in a real world context? Yeah, well, I guess it started with, it started in a few different ways. My, my dad, um, was a photographer all his life. And, um, so I grew up around photography. He was a sports photographer and uh, I used to work with him before I got into the design and art field. Um, and uh, he taught me various things like like dads do i guess um and one of those things was about you know the importance of the of the moment capturing the moment mm-hmm. um, and in sport photography obviously obviously that's very key um so i was always frustrated with the iphone um you know taking a picture was it was always like you always miss that key moment really it was you know <laughs> by the time you picked it up the, the moment had passed yeah yeah and then exactly and you had to find the button on screen and all that so yeah it was the idea of um turning the iphone to make it physically look like a camera i guess 
um, but also have this have this button on it that when you pressed it, it, it took a picture. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, I'd got um, I'd built a MakerBot, so it's the first I think the first iteration of the MakerBot which you had to build yourself. Right. So I was playing around with started to play with a bit of industrial design and that kind of thing. And I, when I had this idea, I then made a very rough shape of what it might look like. And it was interesting that when you put it on the phone, it, it totally changed the context of what that phone was. Mm -hmm. so, and and mm -hmm. that, it, the context of a phone is different anyway. We all know that. No one really uses them as phones, per se. Um, but this really hammered it home. It was suddenly a camera. Uh, and then it was a case of okay, so how do how do you make how do you do it? You know, so um, teamed up with some brilliant industrial designers, mechanical engineers in Scotland, mm -hmm. and um, after a few other people were involved that didn't work out, um, did a Kickstarter, um, and then it kind of all blew up, and it was it was crazy for a while. It was. Um, <laughs> You know, it, we we shipped the products, and um, yeah, you know there was there was, you know, on Malik, the uh, he's a well-known, you know, blogger of Silicon Valley things, and he I think he wrote a blog article, is this the next hot iPhone accessory? And like, <laughs> you know, we were in Manchester, miles away from Silicon Valley, of course. And, yeah. Um, and John Gruber talks about it, which made the Kickstarter just explode and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it, it was crazy. And then, so, you know, I, I headed up a company that um, I can tell you a whole, I could do like several hours on that one thing. <laughs> it was, and I don't regret doing it because it, it got, the problem is when you do something like that, you realize that most of the money needs to go on marketing. It's not the product. Yeah. And so you put all your money in your naivety, you put all your money into the products, then you go, I've got no money for marketing. So, because right. after the initial PR thing, which everyone was talking about it, you've got to keep that going, you know, all the time. So, yeah. I had no money left. <laughs> uh, I, I put my own money into it. Wow. Well, there was, and then the people that started the company with me decided they were going to leave just before the product shipped. Oh, man. And were they like, so you I, can buy us out if you want. You're like, but yeah, I don't, I can't buy you out at all, you know? Yeah, I, well, I bought one of the directors out. Oh, stupidly, wow. Probably. But I, because I, I had like a over a thousand Kickstarter people that hadn't got a product yet. And right. so I, could, I wasn't going to just turn around and go, sorry, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I shipped it, um, and uh, and I think the company lasted another twelve months beyond that. Wow! Well, there, there was a point. Um, so just to just to put an end point on that. <laughs> so things were like I'd run out of money. Um, I'd gone to do a tour in Alaska of all places. If you ever want to feel alone, go to Alaska. Giant, yeah, go to Alaska. <laughs> sit in sit in a Marriott hotel room we like oh which is horrible and you know and my account my accountant rang me up and said I think it's over we you know it's there's no money left and so I said yeah I think we're gonna have to can it oh wow and then I swear to god this is all true I was coming back home I was at JFK airport and I got an email because a few months before I had had an, an email from one of the Polaroid licensees 
to talk about it, right? And then it kind of, kind of went quiet. Anyway, I got this email and I was, lit, I was at the gate at JFK Airport and he said, I've just presented to the Polaroid board. They love Popper. The future is going to be amazing for us both. Oh, my God. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. I'm like, what the... Meanwhile, I you're on your like, way. You're on your yeah, way, yeah. dejected, like a hood over your. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm gonna sit and my own stuff. I never heard from him again. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. Inches to it's success, crazy, right? Wow. It's like falling wow. down at the finish line and reaching your hand yeah. out and being an inch short. That is, yeah, that yeah. is so problematic. And I mean, yeah. we, we're dealing with a situation also where I mean, Apple was probably sitting there going, "Well, it doesn't really matter what he's attached to our phone. We're changing that connector anyways on the next version." <laughs> well, this is it. I mean. I had to go through the whole MFI program, so it's all official Apple. You, you know, right. you have to do that if you want to go through that connector, because um, you only get that connector from one place in the world. It's all locked down. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, eventually they're going to change the connector, change the shape of the phone. So you know, there's all those things. Yeah. Um, I have a clock radio what, upstairs that basically yeah, I can't use good. anymore. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's the wrong it's connector. The, it's. So, you know, it was always going to be problematic, I guess. But, you know, I was proud that I shipped it and, and the people that, you know, got it did kind of love it. Oh, it was, um, it was, fan- it was, it was so much fun. And it, honestly, yeah, it, was yeah. a, it was an eye-catching thing. And it, it, it was a great conversation starter. If you wanted to get somebody yeah. to sit for a picture fast, you put that thing on your phone. They'd be like, oh, my God, yeah. what is that? And then you'd go, just, I'm taking a picture. Oh, I need yeah. you to, you know, and it felt like a camera yeah, all of a yeah. sudden. Anyways, I, I, you know, yeah. you, you're right. We could probably talk a lot about this particular yeah, thing. Yeah. But I want to I want to move forward. And I mean, let's just, we're going to go back and forth in time a little bit. Because okay. I think a lot yeah. of what you're doing now is informed by your past. But I, I want to talk yeah. about your present. Because something that you've done recently. Recently, and this this really spurred on the invitation was uh, there are two things, mm-hmm. and one is morph, and the other one is yeah. produced for use. And yeah, it, yeah. It, it is produced for use, uh, producing morph as well as the yeah, the, yeah. the, the um, yeah. vacuum formed stuff. Okay, so yeah, good. Yeah. Let's talk about both those things because okay. um, where did the idea for a paper holder that was concrete and and essentially looks like a waveform in three D three D space? Uh, where did that concept come from? Well, that was originally, um, you know, like you do, like like you do, and you know, you know, our contemporaries do. Play, we play a lot, don't we? We play all the time and mm-hmm. process it, open frameworks, whatever it is. So I, I'm always fascinated by sine waves, and um, and I was using uh, a 3D uh, library called, which I'm sure you know, HE Mesh, um, which is amazing in processing and I was playing around with that and I've got my I've had my new maker bot for a few years now so I'm always trying to make you know shapes for it and stuff mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd done this form and I'd printed it out in you know PLA yeah. and I had it on my desk and um, and it was just sat there you know <laughs> doing nothing <laughs> and I just got I, th- I can't remember if it was a business card or a I don't know what a it letter was. A letter or something. Of, just a piece a of paper. A letter or something, I just jammed it in there. Yeah. And I thought, oh, kind of holds things. So there's, then, there's a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then I put it in the hallway, um, just the plastic version. And I thought, maybe it could like hold, you know, your mail or whatever. So yeah. then we, 
started to use it in the house all the time. It was just like a convenient thing. The problem with PLA is it's very light, and so when you're trying to take the letter out, it you know it's, it comes with it sort of thing. So I realised that I needed to make it out of concrete or something like that, which is a very you know fashionable home decor material. Yeah. Um, and then this thing called the form box, which is is next to me here, um, came along, uh, made by these amazing people in London. And so as soon as I saw it, I thought I'm ordering one. So, and it took months to arrive because it was like a, a, I'm not sure it was a Kickstarter, but similar. And then I started to think, right, I'm gonna, I can make a, foot, a vacuum cast the original form, and then I can pour concrete, and I can just make a few myself and sell them. Right. Well, the problem is vacuum casting a shape that is quite, it's quite problematic, that shape, because it's very deep. Yep. And you've got a lot of valleys and, you know, the vacuum form would rip at the bottom. So, and I, I've got, I can send you some pictures of the failed ones. I think there's probably some on <laughs> But so I was really, you know, trying to, and then, then of course, pouring the concrete itself is like such a pain in the ass. Well, arm. and then removing it from a, a yeah. hard plastic yeah. shell yeah. And, and then finishing it and all that. Yeah. Um, so, but what it did, it, it I did have some concrete prototypes that were good enough and I, then I used that for several months and I thought yeah this is a this is quite a cool thing so then I, I actually in the end I, I tried contacting some British manufacturers and they're so expensive you know yeah um, so in the end I found someone in China and uh, and it was all you know it's handmade in China so that I got um, I think 300 made okay um, and then had them shipped from China, and and then I, the, they made a box for it, but I always hated it. So then had the a, a local manufacturer make a really cool new box, right? Which was always what I wanted. And yeah, so that's where it is now. And um, yeah, and I'm I'm selling them on. So produce for use is this retail sort of boutique thing that where I can sell analog stuff, I guess. That's fantastic. It's so it's very cool because I think I think there are a lot of us that, like you said, that we we've forayed into the playing with the real world, the tangible, because we worked in the digital for so long and we saw the applicability of the things we built uh, in the digital yeah. realm as physical things. And uh, you know, one of the probably one of the earliest uh, examples of that in, in terms of your work that I can recall would be the cinema redux and making a large scale poster of essentially like every frame of a movie sort of thing. And, and like how you can break down color gradients over time. And it, you know, had a real poetic, uh, feeling to it. And I think that that's one of the things that, that sort of stands out. Um, when you were, when you worked on cinema redux is the, was the first thing, or how soon after you started working on Cinema Redux did you find you wanted to see it in the in a physical form, in a in a poster form? Um, yeah, it was, it was some time after actually, because I think originally it was just the digital thing that I put online. Um, you know, and it, I think with all these things that other people see stuff in it you you see you know one thing but then other people bring their i think it's duchamp called it the art coefficient in that 
it doesn't become a thing until the art the viewer views it right you, know, you, you make right. it but you know so there is this like collaboration this interaction between the viewer and you mm-hmm. and the work um so yeah you know i i just put it up on the internet and went the, you know a thing, that's, you that's know, my next. project <laughs> yeah there you go Next. and and I think, I guess the turning point was the whole, you know, being shown at MoMA and then, you know, obviously they were going to do it 30 feet high, you know. So that's when it was like, okay, it becomes something else when it's printed. Oh, um, yeah. You know, uh, a scale that you can see the frames. Um, and then I approached a gallery in Manchester. And so I'll tell you a funny story about that. It was, there's this gallery in Manchester that has been there for years and, um, I walked in one day. It was after the MoMA thing. I think it was about 2011, 12. And um, I walked in and said, well, could I speak to Richard? I've got, you know, I, I'm, I do some artwork. And and the the person on the desk was very kind of, oh, well, you'd have to email him. And, you know, it's very dismissive. Because right. I'm sure they've got loads of people coming in all the time. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. Are you sure? So I said, yeah, oh, no problem. You know, she gave me a dress. And as I walked out, I said, it's just that I've I've got this work in the permanent collection of MoMA. And she went, oh, Richard's just uh, around the corner. <laughs> Why don't you go and see him? So it opens doors, you know. Yeah, um, there are certain things that, yeah. that kind of help. Yeah. Seeing you on the permanent yeah. collection at the MoMA really does yeah, help, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. So, so then he, he was, we then got together and we did an exhibition together and, and he, he, you know sells that work for me so and it's, it's done well over the years but and it's been in countless exhibitions but i always tell people if i talk about it uh talk or whatever you know that that took me an hour you know the code whatever it's, right. it's not i think people obsess a lot about the complexity of the the code or and it's not about that it's about the idea and the execution of the idea and then what people see in the idea but the code can be very, very simple. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, any, anyone can make that thing. You know, it's not, you know, um, some crazy secret source at all. So, but it was just about the idea. Well, um, but like, uh, here's here's the thing. And, 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 you know, after it came out is there were a lot of people who were inspired by that to investigate yeah. what was the overarching color scheme of a movie yeah. and what was, you know, you, you took a holistic view of a movie, which, which I thought yeah. was a very unique way of looking at it, almost from like the film school you know, yeah. this is how we study scenes and this is how we study yeah. blocking. And, you know, you just went, yeah. well, what if I just spat it out and yeah, <laughs> put, yeah. it, put it side by side and made rows and rows? And it, I mean, it became a beautiful thing, but it was an unintentional beauty, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's partly inspired because of my, my love of film, you know, and, and so reading about Hitchcock or whatever or... Um, you know, and let's take Vertigo for instance. You know, it's the red and the green parts mm-hmm. of those movies, and then it's and it's talked about, like you say, in in studies of cinema. But it's only when you print it out as one thing, you go, "Wow, yeah." There's the red section. There's the green section. Yeah. You know? So, um, so I think that's why it spoke to people. I guess. Have you applied it to movies uh, where you, you're like, you know, people have talked about. The, the the color difference between 
the matrix real world and the matrix right and like have right. you ever just applied it to a movie going like i really want to see how valid that kind of commentary is because when you're seeing it in, in a in a movie you're not really paying that close attention to those sort of details yeah. have you ever sort of applied it since and gone like you know i'd like to see how the I don't know, Michael Bay's Transformers yeah. or yeah, yeah. The Last Jedi or whatever, yeah. just for the sake of doing it. Um, I think one of those most startling ones I did was, was do you remember the movie Hero? Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was, that's in several sections of different colors. And that, really? that looked amazing, yeah. Really amazing, because I think there's a, like a yellow section and I can't remember which, but a red section. Uh, so that, that looked really cool because it was like so evident. It was like, big blocks of color right um yeah but the ones you know it's like i think it's also when you get beautiful sequences like 2001 when at the end when he's going through the infinity thing or whatever it is mm-hmm. you know that looks amazing um so you see all these frames and now they kind of stack up against one another and i think that's that's what is nice about it um but yeah i, I guess i could do keep going forever and ever you know the, well the interesting I, I don't know I, you know it's one of those funny situations where i can i can see that it, you're like well i've already used the tool the tool exists and i don't need yeah, to exactly, yeah. have you have you oh god i hate to do this one of the can't sell this sort of things is how to evolve yeah. things and I, have you ever considered making it an online tool where someone could just throw a movie in and say and then produce their own poster and it you know they could print it for themselves yeah. or I think we were talking about an app at one point, okay. um, but it's never got got around to it. I know there was one called Thummer or something like that. I don't there know. was a there was a Mac app, yeah. Oh, okay. And I think there was a, P- a PHP script that might do something similar. There's got to be some kind um, of like yeah. like uh, trademark issues or copyright issues to yeah, you know, exactly. yeah, yeah. Headaches you don't require yeah. in your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and and so I, you know, I do, I do realize you do a lot of digital work as well, and I know that you do installations, yeah, yeah. and and you know, do you yeah. find um, when you're approached, do you? How do I say this? So when you're approached for an idea, like uh, the there was one where you did like it was uh, LEDs and a wall installation. I'd have to bring it yeah, up yeah. on my thing. Yeah. Do you then? set the collaboration or does, do they say, Hey, we already have the installation company involved. We want you to be the vision behind it. It uh, is yeah. most of the times where it's this. So for the one you're talking about is the price was tax. That's it. One, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the data lab. So that was, they came to me and said, we've got a blank wall and we're building this data lab. And, um, could you make a print that's like 10 meters wide? of some datary thing. <laughs> so I went down to meet them and I said, you know, we could definitely do that or I could definitely do that and I could find out how to get a print made that big and I did start go down that road. Right. Um, but then I said, look, why don't we do something a bit more interesting because when you print it out, it's already going to be out of date because they wanted it to be about London and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I said, well, why don't we do an LED installation? I've got this mad idea of using... Because what happened was, it's, I mean, to me, it's always about the context of the the place that you're doing it in or, you know, uh, that kind of thing. So I went down to this data lab and, and it was still being built, but it was all... They had, like, this huge 
a really impressive touch screen that was like you know floor to ceiling and then there was other screens but everything was screens it was like hard you know yeah 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 data behind glass right yeah and i thought what if we did something with fabric that was softer and so i proposed that idea and did a sort of um a cad thing um and then i thought i can't do the fabric who the hell do i know to do fabric so luckily i knew um kate egan who is the head of textiles at manchester metropolitan university and she she's an artist in her own right and she always wanted to do a collab with me so i said look i've got this project um do you want to do it and she was like yeah so i said right i've got these cubes oh, i'm going to manufacture these cubes how do we cover them in fabric and right so I the circuits manufactured i did loads of prototypes and then i had them manufactured um had the cubes manufactured in france the fabric came from germany and that was it's actually acoustic fabric that goes on speakers okay um after we tried lots of different ones um and yeah, and then we went down and did a two overnight install over two days, because uh, we weren't allowed in the building because it was being used; it had already opened. Right, right. Yeah. So, and there was no riggers, so I I, I rigged all that myself. And <laughs> let me tell you now, I will never do that again. It was <laughs> harrowing was harrowing yeah. the, the word that comes it was to harrowing. mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's harrowing you when you you go to drill the first hole. And your fist goes straight through the wall. You, you know, you yeah, it's it's funny. Like I did installation work for yeah. you know a year, and every time someone would say, like, I'd get some pristine box that was built by a carpenter, yeah. like a carpenter company, a prop company, and they'd send me the the box, and and they and I'd be said, I'd say, okay, well, I have to install a whole bunch of buttons. I have to install the screen. I have to install whatever, oh. and and it would like, it would take me about an hour to screw up the nerve to drill the first hole yeah. you know because i thought this is the only box i got you yeah. know like i don't yeah. have a whole bunch of boxes so i mean i yeah. could imagine putting your fist through a wall where you're like yeah that's unexpected <laughs> yeah. exactly so when i did um i did an installation last year for embraer the um airline company okay at the farm rare show which is one of the biggest air shows in the world and that involved leds but it was all like steel and so uh i got professional riggers then because you know you're hanging steel from a ceiling you can't mess about all that kind of stuff so right and they were amazing i mean it, it was expensive they were really expensive but they were proper professionals you know i i just stood back and they just built it yeah oh um, teamsters are the best yeah 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 <laughs> so so yeah that was you know there was a lot of learnings you know you do these things and you're like, you're like okay I'll never do that again like that, you know, but I, I learned a lot from it. And, it, you know, it's still there now. It's still working. So Yeah, I can it's remember like, having a conversation with with Haas and him talking about uh, uh, Haas Gifford. Sorry, I should I should ex yes. explain that he, he, he had worked on a God, it's got to be the UAE or Dubai or something. And, and he had he'd built this big model building and he had lit it with leds and he had yeah. all these tails coming out from the building where he was powering the leds and some like rigger or teamster or whatever just sort of said like why aren't you using dmx and it was just like he went yeah. you know like dmx what's that you know? like, and it really yeah. it, the nice thing is is that we we're a very reactive 
type, you know, yeah. like we build and we build yeah. fast and we tend to go with what we know until we know the better way to yeah. do it. So, I mean, like yeah. now he's, now he's sorted out. Like he's like, I'll never do that again, obviously. But the same thing with yeah. you is like, I'll never do that again. I'll just let someone else, yeah. you know, and I do the same, I do the same thing. Like I can remember somebody saying, well, this, this looks like a prototype. I'm like, well, it kind of is because nobody told me how to build this correctly. I still remember building like this flower that was supposed to move it in and out of a movie poster. And my coworker saying, why aren't you getting a linear actuator? And I said, what the fuck is a linear actuator? You know? <laughs> and so he sent yeah. me a link and I went, wow, that does exactly what I wanted to do. I'm, you know, meanwhile, I've got a threaded rod and a, and a stepper motor and I'm moving this thing up and down. I'm like, this yeah. works. It's what it's supposed to do, but it's kind of slow. And he's like, dude, you should be. And I just, oh my God, I went down a whole root world of motors that I, you know, it, you know, yeah. ignorance is bliss. I guess. Well, <laughs> Until you, you don't know, you don't know. And I think that's one of the dangers of working on your own is, you know, um, you, when you're working in a team, you might have someone there who knows, oh, I've done that kind of stuff. And so when I was doing the Embraer thing and I'd uh, soldered up the control box or it was about to, but the electrician, who was like a proper electrician, mm -hmm. You need to wire it so they all connect to one another so you have redundancy built in. I was like, do I? And he goes, yeah, and he drew it out. And it was like, oh, my God. And he said, and that would, like, balance the load. And you need to use this gauge of wire. I was like, cool. So now I know that. You <laughs> yeah. know, that's, like, part of my knowledge. But it was like, I'm not going to burn anything down anymore. Brilliant. You know? so yeah. Dealing with electricians in, in museums and, and, and setups and things like that, it, yeah. the most interesting thing is it, it really just comes down to safety. They're like, you know, listen, yeah, you can't yeah. you can't put 120 volts into this thing. Yeah. And you have a whole bunch of bare screws with wires yeah. wrapped around them. And then they go into your thing. Like, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And, you know, so so I want to – I'm sorry to do this. I know we're, hip, we're no, no, cool. going back and forth. But one of the things that, that you're, you're producing more recently in terms of the physical things that you're selling are sort of throwback items – that have inspired you and, and one is the, like this the old game boy and one's like an old nokia yeah. uh what what was what was the thinking behind the choices for those those uh, there's three items right i can't remember what the yeah, third yeah. is it there's, a calculator there's the, the bra uh, brawn or brown are you supposed to say brown um, brown yeah Ooh, okay calculator yeah. calculator oh god yeah, yeah. so you've been dialing in a vacuum former you you're like, you're yeah, like i know how yeah. to do it this but, is so good well, well, it was exactly that. I was like, okay, I've got this vacuum former, and you know, the way you're supposed to use it generally is you use it to make casts that you then pour things in it, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is pain. Um, and I thought, how can I simplify the process, but also make something that I want to make? And um, so, I, yeah, I, I had this idea. I've still, still got the early ones of you know vacuum forming iconic objects that are now obsolete um so great and like like they were lying in state almost yeah so i've got a i'm sorry i have yeah. it on my phone i'm just looking at the yeah. the nokia oh god this yeah. the, that classic bulletproof phone yeah it's amazing phone it really was and so it taps into nostalgia i think you know it it, it also has to look good as well Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like an, I've done a Nintendo one that I haven't released yet and stuff like that uh, the, the, the NES controller and stuff like that 
Um, so then I've done like the original iPod, but it's a bit boring. There's well, not it's a block, right? So it's yeah, it's just a block. And then the original iPhone I've got is again a block. There's no buttons on it. So so well, it tends we, to, that's where we entered. Th- that's where we entered into the 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 realm of the boring when it comes yeah. to industrial design. You know, you can yeah, see exactly. when you look at phones changing, and, yeah. and how the the iPhone essentially set the tone forever mm-hmm. you know it's like boom yeah, boring yeah. everything is non-tactile yeah. anymore you know yeah yeah which you know has this uh, the advantages are you know your phone then morphs into anything it wants to be mm-hmm. because there's no you know implied interface but um the downside is it's not tactile so yeah it, it the the biggest seller is the game boy without a doubt and i thought it would be because it's i think it's a beautiful object anyway yeah yeah. yeah, as a piece of industrial design, it's absolutely beautiful. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it seemed to tap into um, yeah that nostalgic thing of, of like going, oh, I had a Nokia phone, that was cool, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's again, it's just one of those things that I thought you know might be nice to exist in the world, and and you know I can. They're quite time-consuming to make. I'm well, not, this I'm is lie, this know? is what I this is what I wanted to talk about a little bit. And one of yeah. you know, having now dealt with a, a, a couple of interviews that involve people that that work in physical uh, yeah. items, especially Libs, right? Like she, yeah, yeah, we, I just interviewed yeah. him, interviewed her yesterday, and she's. I was like, so pricing, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you don't want to talk about that yeah. with your wife because it's yeah. <laughs> awkward conversation. <laughs> so could you charge more for your, no, but uh, you know, <laughs> I wondered about uh, how, how you set the, do you have a, just a base price point where you're just like, you know what, 40 pounds sorts me out in terms of my timing, but then you start to actually build it and you're like, yeah. man, this is a lot longer than I really, you know, this isn't even worth it yeah, for me almost. It's one of the things I don't, I often don't account for the manual labor. Mm-hmm. I cost everything out. So I have spreadsheets for each product and to the nth degree of like, how much is the label that goes on it and all that kind of stuff. But and you never include labor? <laughs> it doesn't really include labor. Because, so what I try and, so most of the stuff is like already done, but this one is actually, you know, doing it and then mounting them and, that kind of stuff so but i have like um once you get into it you know you you work out a more efficient way of of doing it you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and then it also you know you can make it more efficient in this in the sense of dispatch so you know i've started to use amazon warehouse so you know they can send it out if i need it need them to that kind of thing right so i'm exploring that at the minute just playing with that but you know what i actually like putting them together (laughs) i like I like sending things to people. It's, it, you know, uh, yeah. it's funny. I've done a couple of physical things, mostly T-shirts, yeah. actually. They've always yeah. been really small run and, and, and sometimes just on-demand run. I yeah. have to say, like, it is so nice to get an email with a photo, somebody going, like, this yeah. is the T-shirt. Or, or to see my shirt on stage is, is one of the cooler yeah, yeah. cooler things. You know, Brendan Dawes is wearing your T-shirt. Yeah. Or, sorry, yeah, yeah. Brandon Hall is wearing your T-shirt on yeah, stage. Yeah. Um, since you, I don't think you've ever bought one of my T-shirts. That's okay. It doesn't matter. It's... <laughs> I also have never bought one of your things. <laughs> you know, tip for tat, hey? <laughs> my stuff, my price point's way lower, but that's okay. Um, but, I, you know, there is something extraordinary about one, seeing your artwork on a wall. Yeah. Or seeing someone wear it. Like, I yeah. have to say, like, I'm not 
I'm not at the level to which people go like, oh, we really want that thing. But whenever someone does, I, I get super excited. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, you know, we, we're we lucky to be able to do what we do. And we, we love what we do. But so when anyone comes to you and says, I want to pay you for that thing, that you love, <laughs> it's it's an honor you know it's, it's such an it's honor a, it's yeah. a double-edged sword right because you then you've then got to think well this is also a commercial thing so you have to charge you have to know your worth and charge people accordingly yeah because you know we love it so much that we go yeah yeah it's great I, thanks for thanks for putting your faith in me but actually you've got to you know put food on the table and everything so yeah it's 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 the two things i guess i think it's difficult to get yourself out of the mindset of the the 22 year old developer yeah. just doing shit in his basement and then turning yeah. around and, and going like oh you want to pay me to do this oh that's the yeah. best ever yeah. and then yeah. and then you you forget that your your time is worth x Absolutely, amount of dollars yeah. you know yeah. um I, I yeah i don't know i it's been it's been a, a, a joy to, to to watch your path like uh, i think oh, i think you. i think you among a lot of the other folks that do you remember doing, um, I'm sorry, I, I'm digressing, but do you remember doing a panel at a high school with me and I yes. think Natsuki and yeah, yeah and, and how we got like all sort of yeah. put into a, a bus <laughs> and driven yes. off. So that that's Marshall McLuhan High School. Did you know that? Right. Okay. okay right. So um, th that comes up sometimes it's come up a number of times over the years. And, and one of the things that always struck me was how you introduce yourself and you kind of said like i didn't really graduate anywhere you yeah. know and you're like i'm self-taught and and yeah. and to sit on a panel with a whole bunch of people where it came to my turn i said i sold my soul for advertising i work right. in advertising and you know and i i live with that every day of my life <laughs> you know and it was it was yeah. really fun to watch you and 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 the others on that panel sort of discuss from the point of view of I'm just I'm just doing my job, you know. Yeah. Like you treated it like it was a job, which was you know one of the more refreshing things, as opposed to how we kind of did talk about it privately. Was like, oh, I'm just glad someone's paying me. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have that sort of feeling of like, you know, or 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 do you or do you just now have the confidence of of like, yeah, of course you're paying me. I'm amazing. No, well, well, I'm for the for number one. I'm British, so I can never say I'm amazing because <laughs> we're just filled with self-doubt, and we can never do right. Yeah. There's that. Yeah. Um, but on the other side, you do have to have. I've realised. I know. I guess I know my worth, and you have to do if you're working for yourself. Yeah. Um. So you know. So otherwise, you just get taken for a ride um so yeah there's that but on the other side i mean it's one of one of the nicest things is when i get clients writing really lovely testimonials about working with me yeah and that it wasn't painful um you know and well my, my wife has taught me over the years when you get that email that maybe is a bit like gets you back up a little bit never ever reply to it straight away oh yeah right? and he always says you know give it 10 minutes give it an hour and then when you go back to it you go 
This isn't actually, as bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've got a point, actually. I yeah, used, maybe I can see You know, I, Libs and I, we worked from home together, and, and she worked in her studio, yeah. and I worked in my space, and, and never the twain shall meet. But I used her as a sounding board all the time for emails. And, and yeah. you know, we, we talk about the fact that I misconstrue things all the time. And, like, mm-hmm. I will instantly save to drafts you know i'll write this i'll write a response where i'm like go fuck yourself you know what i mean <laughs> like like i just yeah. you don't know what you're talking about i've been 20 years doing this but the, i put it to drafts and then i go show the email to to libs and she'll say i don't know what your problem is because this is literally them saying could you just make this adjustment you know <laughs> and, and it's <laughs> but it's in your head you're like this is you've just told me my family's shit and i'm a t- terrible human being and you know, my dog deserves to, you know, and you just, and then, yeah, you go back an hour later and you're like, whoo, yeah. I'm so glad I didn't send that. Cause I had a yeah. partner, you know, when I was starting out, I had a partner who did send those emails and I spent, <laughs> I spent so much time like deflating, you know, the, yeah. the, the rancor. And, and it was like, I became the diplomatic one. And whenever right. Libs and I, I'd say that Libs would just laugh and laugh, you know, she's like, you're the diplomatic one. How is that even possible? You know? (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, it's, no, thankfully I did become that person. I became the diplomatic person, but it it was, it was a real struggle to begin with. And I, you know, and it's funny, I interviewed a a guy, sorry, this is again, a huge digression, but I interviewed, um, this guy Ben Feist and Ben Feist works for NASA now but for the longest time he was in advertising mm-hmm. and he made a site called Apollo in real time but he talked about being angry he's like I there was an inexplicable anger of being a developer there's the over, you're overlooked all the time you're not considered your role isn't considered you know you have to figure out the most impossible things on a daily basis mm-hmm. with impossible timelines and it be- you become kind of an angry person and it, you know having him say it like it was like having a therapy session in the beginning yeah. of the episode uh-huh. where where I was like you know you're totally right you don't mean to be upset but it's it's you know death by a thousand cuts yeah and so you take that with you we take we take these experiences with us and i think mm-hmm. that the longer it takes for you to recognize your time and your value without resentment. Mm-hmm. The, the more troublesome your career is going to be, but the more, yeah, yeah. the more time you can take. And I mean, the, the idea of like, let's take a break, let's take a break before we respond. Yeah. It allows you to, to calm down and, and, and see it. Yeah. You know, I don't know. That was a really deep. <laughs> yeah, that's something, one of my big learnings. I don't know if you do this as well, but sometimes if I'm working on something that's a digital thing on screen and I'm like, it, it's like, Joe, it's, it's doing my head in. It's like, I can't get it to work. And, or, or maybe it's the other way of think. I think this is quite good. So I'll go out the room and leave it on screen. I'll go out the room and make a cup of tea or something or a coffee. And then I come back in and when I see it again, I, I, I look at, I, I wonder if, I look at its reaction to me. I look at, uh, do I have a good reaction to that thing still? Right. You know, that I just left 10 minutes ago and I go, no, this is good. Yeah. Or, or no, you know what, it's shit. <laughs> so now, now I see it anew. 
Or yeah. the next morning even, you know, I'm sure, I think we all do that, don't we, as great people. I think it's important to do. I think it's important to take a step back because part of, part of your, part of when you say something is good can come down to just being successful and making it happen. Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't yeah. mean it looks good. It doesn't mean it actually yeah. is a good piece, but because yeah. you were able to figure the problem out, you're like, ah, yeah. that's great. That looks exactly like yeah. I want it, you know, but you come back yeah. to it an hour later, or a day later, and you're like, poof. Let's go back to the code. <laughs> There's a way to make this better. And I mean, that's one of the yeah. most, that's one of the most interesting things about what we did as flash developers. Flash developers yeah. are a very iterative group. Like we, we learned how to go step by step by step by step to make something mm-hmm. better, you know? Yeah. And I think when, when you, when you look at more, for instance, um, yeah. one of the things that I, when I see it, I'm like, I will bet you that you made a hundred of those waveforms before yeah, yeah. you found one that you were like, I like yeah. that one. That's good. Yeah. You know, well, some of those, some of them didn't hold paper either. Right. You know, so because <laughs> when I went, when I was doing the vacuum casting thing, I thought, right, I'll change the shape of it, you know, so it doesn't break the vacuum right. form. And, and so I did that and that did work, but then it didn't do its job. It, the paper didn't stay in. Yeah, so I yeah. almost had this optimal shape that I knew was right because it just works. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. I, I had, you know, uh, I had did a, a project for craft and it was a pair of bears that you would hug and one bear would activate the other one's bow tie. So when you, right. you hugged it, the other bow tie would light up. That nice. bear was hugged. It would light up your bow tie, and they communicated over GSM, so it could be anywhere in North America, sort of thing. That's not the, the important right. thing. The important thing was I made fifty different versions of the bow tie, <laughs> right? And and I mean, <laughs> it was like three D printed, three D modeled. I sent pictures over to the client. Yeah. They would always come back with, "We need to see it in real life," and I'd be like, "It, you know, it takes a long time to do this. This is not a thing where I can spend a ton of time. It's not. It's the least important part to me, but because it was the most visible part, it was the most important part to them. And you know, when you when you're talking about like vacuum forming for <laughs> for yeah. concrete, I'm sitting there like from the bow tie perspective, like you're just you yeah. just do it in silicon, and then you've got a, a moldable yeah. rubber thing that you can then pour concrete into, and it works uh, perfectly. Yeah. By the time. I hit the last bow tie. I had them send me a bow tie that they wanted me to replicate. That was from the original bear, and I I, I sculpted it out of clay, and right. then I and then wow. I and then I cast it out of silicon, and then I cast it again out of silicon with a backing a, a, a strong, three uh, D printed backer that I could run my wow. LEDs into. And when I sent that to them, they're like, "That's perfect," and I was like, "That's." Wow version 50 and you could have literally sent me that bow tie right at the beginning <laughs> of this whole process and i literally would have banged it out for you within a day but that was three yeah. weeks later you know of, of oh me just god. going oh my god oh my god yeah. banging my head going to the client <laughs> and that's how that's i mean but that's how we work you know like we don't yeah, we yeah. don't know and, and well the funny thing was is it took a really quick email where the guy included the client's comment and the comment was this doesn't look like the other bears and i just responded with what other bears and i found <laughs> out that they were mass producing these bears. you know they were mass producing non-gsm enabled bears that you could just ah. click the bear itself and its own bow tie would light up and i found that out and i was like whoa where are these bears and that you know they go well yeah. we can send you one i was like you could have sent me one from the beginning <laughs> <laughs> 
it's just the it's just a, you know and it's it's funny because it's one of the projects that i get the most comments on from people where they're like yeah. i really want one for my daughter and my 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 husband and i'm like yeah man i wish i could do that that's not a thing like i yeah. only bought 20 boards and they all went to the client <laughs> like there's only so many bears i'm not allowed to make more right i feel like i should do a a tutorial that's just like here's here's the board here's yeah. an led you do your thing and you make the you know <laughs> whoops oh shoot just dropped my phone yeah i don't know it's it is a funny you know we live in a really funny world and i uh, you know I, I think we've been very fortunate uh, to have come up the way we did because we don't mm. see the future as just being apps, you know? No. And right now when you watch, um, when you watch, uh, people coming up in development, they think specifically about apps because apps is where you're going to make your money. Yeah. And, and yeah. we think more along the lines of, if not one-off projects, projects that exist in the real world. And I think that they're the most gratifying ones because you can stand in front of it and other people yeah, stand in yeah. front of it, you know? Yeah. I, I think I was, when I did the the thing for Airbnb at Sundance, the, there's a load of these little printers. That was really gratifying. You know, I got a lot of satisfaction from that because it was a system I'd made and it allowed people to share 5,000 stories in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the venue and and it looked amazing and it all works and um, but that's what I'm more I think that's what I get the most joy from is you're creating systems for other people to play within environments for other people to play within and and I am constantly surprised by what people do yeah. in that environment you know way more than you can think of than. You know, then you thought I thought people would just, you know, write three line text because it was all SMS and and they were writing proper stories. Yeah. You know, and yeah. really interesting. So I've learned over the years, the other thing I've learned, I guess, is not to prejudge your audience, not to not to bring your own biases into things because if that was me, I wouldn't be asked writing a story like that. Yeah. But other people are, you know, so you know, that's been one of my big learnings as well, I think. Well, you know, it, it's interesting, but but one of the things that I I, I can recall Haas, Haas and I talking about was specifically how we become uh, the person that judges the idea that's being pitched. So you say, but what if someone does this? And when the yeah. comment comes back is they won't, you're like, there's no way you don't know someone's going to do that. You know, mm. I've often said that my, my greatest QA team are six-year-olds because if you can say what that one six-year-old is going to do to your project, then you can make it more bulletproof, right? And I think, yeah, yeah. I think Haas is one, oh, what was his comment? It was like one drunk human. What will one drunk human do to your project? <laughs> and that lets you know <laughs> how you can handle your thing. Like how, how strong does that need to be? Because there's going to be one drunk human that is going to mess that thing yeah. up, you know? And I mean, that's a consideration <laughs> that you don't, you know, <laughs> you yeah. don't have to think about I in digital, yeah. digital form. But you always think about when you're like, well, I'm going to hang this thing from the ceiling or I'm going to hang that on the wall. Yeah. Well, what's a drunk guy going to do seeing yeah. that? You know, like how strong yeah. do I need to make that? Yeah. yeah <laughs> so that is a good benchmark for sure. <laughs> remember that one. <laughs> one drunk human. Yeah, just, I mean, like, I, you know, I think that comes down to, <clears throat> you know, 
again, we can go back to the Flash world and, and how when we came up, like that the idea was you would build it and release it. You'd say, okay, well, this is the thing I'm yeah. working on. And the number of responses you got would would sort of dictate how far more you would do on it. So like if someone said, holy yeah. sh- dude, it does not work on Safari. You'd go, well, I don't care. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, yeah. I don't care if it doesn't work on Chrome or Chrome didn't exist. I don't care if it works on IE4 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that's not a client consideration because I'm doing it for myself. But if someone said this could look better if you do this, you would almost instantly revisit it. You know, yeah, to yeah, see if yeah. it's true, to see if that's true, because you're only you only go so far as you allow yourself to go. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. when someone yeah. reacts, you can say, oh, OK, yeah, let me take a look at that again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And have you found uh, instances where you've been working on something and I don't know how much how much feedback you sort of elicit from people you respect or whatever I, I tend to sort of show people things as i go I, I don't i don't do the instagram thing where i'm like i'm working on this and you should look at it i tend yeah. to show people things directly but while you're working on for instance the produce for use the solid state or the silent state yeah. uh work did you did yeah. you show your friends the work and say like hey by the way what do you think of this or did you just do it going you knew it was cool um Sometimes I do. With that, with that one, I showed one person. Um, well, there was a few people who'd seen it. Uh, my brother came round once. He doesn't, he doesn't live where I live, but he, he came round one weekend. And I had the, the one. They weren't in the frame. They were just on a, on a shelf. And he walked in and he instantly went, what's that? Like, <laughs> of all the stuff in the room, he was like, what, what's that? Right. So that was a good sign. Yeah. Um, and then... Yeah, there was kind of an instinct, but I showed um, Gary Huswit actually, because I'm working with Gary on a, a, a thing. And um, and because it was a, you know, he'd done this Dieter Rams documentary and the calculator, you know, obviously the calculator was designed by Dieter Rams. And so I thought, I'll, I'll, just before it launched, I showed it Gary on Instagram, you know, privately. And, right. and he went, cool. And then he went, wait. <laughs> wait a minute, is the calculator in there? I went, no, no, it's just, you know, <laughs> it's just the form. But no, he, he was, he really liked it. He really got where it was coming from. And um, yeah, yeah. so, and the people that get it really get it, which is, is really, really nice. So, so yeah, I don't, I don't solicit loads of opinions, to be honest. Um, and yeah, I think you have to, you have to believe in yourself, I think. You know, it's um, and as much as you go, I, I can't work out whether this is good or not. I think, <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's a it's a matter of trust. You trust yourself yeah, after yeah, a number yeah. of years, right? Exactly. Like it's yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. an interesting thing. Yeah, like make, make, making morph is like a ridiculous thing because you know some people say to me, "Who the bloody hell writes letters anymore?" You know, what? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, people do and. And also, it isn't just about writing letters. It's about receiving mail or, or notes or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, you know, but also, I just I just wanted to make it. It wasn't like I'm I'm probably I'm probably the worst entrepreneur in the world. You know, I'm not. Oh. I can't. You know, finding like the million seller idea is not really has never been my thing, right? But I think um, 
I just want to put nice things into the world and and I'm in no hurry that's the other thing I want to you know I tell people I'm not like bashing stuff out I'm not I could I could get go on Alibaba and just source loads of <laughs> and, you know, I'm not going to do that am I yeah 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 it's it, you know it's and it's I think it's really gratifying when you when you deal with and we again this has come up in in conversation with with some other people but um, since we're we're living in a real attention economy uh, society now, like a global society that's all about like look at me, look at me, look at me. Uh, it is it is really um, gratifying to watch someone that isn't saying look at me, and it's more about like hey, listen, if you like the work, I'm glad you enjoy yeah. it, but I'm not. You yeah. don't. You're. I don't need the attention. I'm just gonna do this yeah, thing yeah. because I'm doing this thing for myself. You know. Yeah. Exactly. I like it. I like it, and I'll release it. But it's not about. Yeah you buying it thanks for buying yeah. it but i you know, yeah. it's and it's a it's yeah. almost problematic when 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 we deal with a, a culture in which we're constantly saying like look at my value you need to value who i am as opposed to what i produce yeah. i think that's one of the nicest things about and the other part of that. go ahead yeah please sorry go on well it's, it's one of the nicest no, things on. about the name of the 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 gig is is produced for use you know yeah yeah, it's, yeah. it's produced for you. Because so. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm, I've had that name for a while because it comes from a movie in the in the 30s. Um, but there's also a production for use, which is a, a, I guess, a socialist idea. Not that I'm a, you know, political animal at all. But I wanted to reframe what use was, so there was that element of it. Um, but yeah, it was. I also the other side is I originally. Yeah, I thought right. I'm just going to contact loads of retailers and you know and blah 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 and because I did that with Popper and we got it in quite a few retail stores. But eventually, you I, so I started contacting a few and I, either they don't email you back or you know it's not their thing or and so you you're getting slightly depressed, depressed right? <laughs> and and then I thought, what am I doing? I'll just sell it. I'll just sell it myself. I'm not you know. I haven't got like thousands to shift here. Yeah, yeah. So, but I just let it go. I just, I just, I just let it go. I wasn't. I then instead of, and we, you know, one of the annoying things is, is these, you know, you have them everywhere. These little retail spaces that are a boutique retail space, and they're owned by a couple or whatever, and they, they put out there that they're, they're really friendly. They're the ones that never reply to your emails. <laughs> let me tell you and it's depressing. Yeah, yeah. So they have this like cute and the thing. God, you, you know, you're supposed to be supporting independent artists, and they, they never reply. So, so I just thought I just let it go. I thought I'm not going to worry about it. I'll just sell it myself, and so that's what I decided to do. And if some people want to get in touch and sell it, then fine. But you know, I'm not really asked about it. Brendan, I think we might be done. Yeah. Do you have I anything? We've a lot of ground. I think we have. I think we have. And and generally, this is where I I open it up and say, do you have anything you'd like to just unsolicited? Is there anything you could add that you feel that you weren't asked, or is there anything that you would like to provide as a piece of advice for someone who may be coming up? Or do you feel like you've covered all? Um, I, I guess one thing I will say is, um, I think. You know, I'm I'm lucky enough that I do a lot of talks, and you know, and and I always think though at the end of it, 
it can be and luckily people come up to me and go oh that was inspirational etc etc and that's all great but the the flip side as well is that it can be really you look at someone on stage or whatever and you think god it's, it's really overwhelming it's like how you know someone starting out and think how, how do you make that work how do you get those clients how do you whatever how do you get on stage or whatever um and i always i always say to people do you know don't panic you know don't just just keep working at it it's it's you know there's no other secret element than that you know i didn't i didn't know people at moma or i didn't you know i i and you know one so yeah um i will also say this as well so so there's that do don't panic about it take your time and constantly learn new things every day um but the other thing is i would say that and i think you can speak to this as well is that my career has been predicated on the generosity of others um it's been about that it's been about people it's been about from from when i first met I went up to this guy called Hillman Curtis, who we all know, you know, we know, and went up to him at a conference and told him about my Soul Bass website like a geek. And and then he got in touch with me and said, do you want to come on stage in Seattle? And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, so, I, you know, and that, that was a changing point in my career. But And you have to make those opportunities happen. You have to put yourself out of limb and possibly make yourself look stupid you know go up to these people but that's been the my one of my biggest things i tell people is you know don't try try to be a good you know friendly person who and, and now i try and give back and as much which always sounds a bit worthy and it's not that but you know to try and you know take the time to answer emails that i get from people and yeah I think there's two things. I think there's two points you're making. And, and, and I mean, one is, is we're, we're dealing with a, 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 God, it becomes a global societal thing, but we're dealing with a situation where there isn't the patience that we had, you know, when, when, when you're talking about what you're doing now and someone looks at what you're doing now and goes, Oh, that price waterhouse thing, or, you know, Oh my God, this, that you're like, but that's 20 years of effort that leads to this one thing. And I, yeah. I, I think that that's one of the most problematic aspects is when I speak to college students or university students and they're, they're talking about like, how do I do this? Th-? I'm like, I don't know, spend 20 years, you know, slogging it out, make a whole bunch of bad projects. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. just what's going to happen. You're, you need to work. There's no such thing as yeah. the magic elixir of fame. Mm-hmm. If you're not, yeah. you know, if, if you're not selling yourself, you're selling your body or whatever, yeah. like there's no magic elixir. It really comes down to effort, effort and yeah. practice. So, you know, I, I don't and I, I totally agree. And I, I've said it billions of times is the rising tide lifts all ships. The concept that, you know, you can help someone else come up as easily yeah. as as you were helped. And I think, you know, we, we talked about we've talked about that many times is the idea that your friends yeah. We're not your friends initially. They were just people, yeah. you know? And I think, yeah. you know, we can count ourselves very fortunate to have come up in the time that we did where you can sort of chart how someone became successful based yeah, off yeah. of based off of a lot of little successes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And just on the on the patience thing, one of my favorite stories is the the long the story of longitude. 
and John Harrison, who solved longitude uh, back in the whatever century, but it took him 50 years. <laughs> and you go, what? And you go, Can you imagine working on something now for 50 years? It's, it's insane, right? Yeah. But, so I think things are way more compressed now, but you think, wow, that is pretty amazing. Right? Well, I just so, saw, yeah, I yeah the idea of, of generational planning that, that, that no longer sort of exists in architecture, that no longer exists, like this, somebody had said, oh, uh, you know, the first stones laid on the Acropolis were by yeah. people the were not by the same people that laid the last stones you know they knew that they would never live to see the end of this yeah. construction project and you're like what you know like because we we never think well that building's going to be there forever you know that building's going to yeah. be there until it's no longer deemed necessary and then it's going to be bulldozed for another building yeah. you know yeah. and i think that's one i think that's one of the nice things about seeing the the work that you're doing is it's it's a nod towards a permanence of substance and I think you know I, I really appreciate uh, I really appreciate seeing seeing the work you're doing in, in terms of the the little side projects you know because it, it is a it's a nod to, to yeah. what what brought us to where we are yeah oh thank you that's that's really lovely to hear thank you well I think this is it <laughs> I think we've done it Brendan I think we've had an episode I, I, I have to thank you so much it, is, it has been a, a true pleasure um, to, to reach across Likewise. the pond and have this conversation yeah yeah no it's been I really enjoyed it I have to say you've got a fantastic style because um, I've done a few podcasts mm -hmm. and sometimes they're just so very question based in a form you know the formal which is fine but you managed to weave it in a way that it doesn't fit. It just feels like you said in your email. It's like a. It's a conversation. Cocktails, you know. Yeah. This episode of Can't Sell This was produced in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All creative content in this episode is copyright Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. Intro voice is Jeff Wright. Opening and closing track is Watch Him They Said from the 2018 album Hypocritic Oath by Not Of. All inquiries can be directed to admin at cancellthispodcast.com. 